Father Harmon, I'm guessing you didn't preach again. Father Lugo, I did not. <laughs> uh, I'm up. I do have a mass coming up, uh, a Sunday mass, mm. but I don't remember exactly when it is, which is kind of bad because <laughs> I'm the one that set the schedule. <laughs> oh, actually, it's right here on my computer. Hmm. Um, I will yeah. be preaching on the 27th, the 26th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Oh, okay. Well, we're coming up on the 24th, so you still got... <laughs> You still got a minute Always. and a half. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, no, that's good. So you didn't get a chance to preach today on the 23rd, uh, but did you, did you... I did, I did, I did. I uh, I had Mass last night. I had a Vespers, not a Vespers, a Vigil Mass. Uh, as you know, I'm back in Madrid, and I had a Mass uh, in a parish there in the city. And got to tell you, man, it was awesome. So yeah. good. It's just, it's been interesting for me now as a priest to realize that like I love preaching, but then I have no time afterwards to catch my breath. Uh, when I was a deacon, <laughs> like, and, and you've seen me preach, like sad, I get really you didn't do anything. Yeah, exactly. And you've seen me preach, like I get really tired because I just yell the whole time, you know. Um, yeah. And so, and so with as a priest, I'm like I sit down and I'm like, oh no, and I have like 30 seconds to recoup, you know. <laughs> oh goodness well maybe you stop yelling you yeah that? that's that's the thing <laughs> that's what's missing i need to stop i need to stop um but no it was good and i got to tell you <clears throat> it was a really good set of readings uh that really dovetails into this next set of readings we're going to talk about today yeah i um yeah i was found i, I was it's interesting because i found the readings as we mentioned last week on the show i found last week's readings a little bit uninspiring and kind of hard to sink my teeth into and this week's readings, on the other hand, the ones coming up for the 24th, I just find to be way easier to like latch <laughs> onto, you know, maybe because there's a parable, maybe because Sirach is so, you know, visceral fire, um, <laughs> you know, but there was something about the readings last week that resonated with the theme. So, I mean, I'll just tell you briefly what I preached on last week was, uh, was the uh, Alleluia verse was pretty predominantly what I preached on, which is all of Christianity can be summarized with reconciliation between mm -hmm. us and God and us and our neighbor. Um, yeah. Like that's the whole of it, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So what do you think it is about these readings? Cause they're, it's, it's a similar theme. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, cause I, I mean, as, as we talked about last week, I had a similar, um, similar frustration and kind of a, I don't know what to do with this. But with these, right. it's very clear. <laughs> and maybe that's the beauty of the parable, like you said. Right. That it does spur your imagination. That's something that we've talked about before. Like, how, how totally. does our imagination play into this? Totally, totally. Um, yeah, I think it's that. So, like, a couple of months ago, uh, we had, after, I mean, it must have been during Easter, uh, we just had all these long discourses from John's Gospel uh, at Daily Mass. And I was finding myself very frustrated as a preacher because it's just really hard to preach when Jesus is just saying things um, because <laughs> they're kind of clear. Like he's just kind of saying the things, you know? Um, right. But right, yeah, right, the, right. The, par the parables just open up so much more. So like last week was a good example with contrast to this week is that one week we have a parable that I feel so much more enlivened to talk about. Uh, whereas last week was basically just an explanation of this very same theme, which is, if your brother sins against you, find reconciliation between the two of you, you know? But then right, he gives you this great... Right parable you know well and i think the beauty for me at least in these readings um is that we see what happens like we have that 
that kind of viscer, visceral uh, reading from Sirach, like, and, and then in the, par- in the parable, we see what happens when the servant doesn't do what's right. We see him being mm-hmm. a wicked servant. And mm-hmm. so we have that wonderful teaching, sort of a, uh, uh, an example of what not to do mm-hmm. that I think mm-hmm. is helpful. At least for me, that's helpful to, um, to help to see it a little bit more clearly. Yeah, totally. Totally. It illustrates perfectly, right. you know, what's going on. Right, right. Um, I got to say, you know, just to jump into the readings for this upcoming Sunday, I, I, I don't think I could preach on Sirach's reading alone. I think I have to always go to the gospel. I'm finding myself to be the kind of preacher that always preaches on the gospel. Um, yeah. But there's something good. about these. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's something about this first reading that it's just a punch in the gut. Like that first line yeah. hits me hard. Yeah. Um, Wrath and anger yeah. are hateful things, yet the sinner hugs them tight. It's like, oh, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a really cool... I was really... Keep going. No, no. I was just saying that's a really cool way of phrasing what I think to be instinctively true for sinners, that, you know, oh, hugging them tightly, you know? Yeah. I was really struck by that line, could anyone nourish anger against another and expect healing from the Lord? Like, wow. man, that really cuts to the bone for me of like, yeah, I do that. And I think that's the beauty of, um, of our sacramental confession. Like we get an opportunity to uh, not just, not just to air our grievances against our, our, you know, the people that we've wronged. Mm-hmm. Um, but we get to do the exact opposite. We nourish healing in our hearts and thus expect healing from it. Like, yeah, that's exactly what we need to do. Mm. Uh, uh, and kind of back to that point of like, yeah, seeing, being called out and seeing, no, that's what I do. That's me. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, how can mm-hmm. I expect healing from the Lord if I just nourish anger? Like, yeah. Yeah, man. No, that's good. That's good. Um, yeah. I think Sirac would be a wonderful thing to, you could focus on any one of these lines. It's almost like these, these one-liners that are just gut punches, you know, that you could totally yeah. preach on. Why, why wouldn't you be able to preach on it alone? I just... I, I don't have a real reason. I just find myself always kind of indebted to the gospel. Like I always feel mm-hmm. not, I don't feel obligated to preach on the gospel, but I always feel like if I can't preach on the gospel, then what am I doing? Like I, I like the gospel. I feel like <laughs> yeah, it's the most important text in the scriptures, you know? And so I don't know. I find that the gospel should be the primary driver. Maybe this is a, a broader question about homiletics. Like, are you, I mean, I know that the rubrics tell us we could preach on anything having to do with the liturgy that day. Um, uh, I just really love thinking about the gospel as needing to be proclaimed and explained. I don't know. Do you not feel any of that? Do you feel free to do whatever? Oh, I do. And I often do. Yeah. No, no. I often do. Uh, as we've talked about many times, like a lot of the time I, uh, like I'm struck by a line in the gospel and then everything else, all, all the other readings kind of influence how I read, um, how I read that. So something, I don't know if this is what I would preach on, but, um, like calling him a wicked servant, you know, you, I forgave your entire debt because you begged me to, should not you have had pity on your fellow servant? Mm. Like that fits with these other readings so well Mm -hmm. that I, um, I oftentimes like to use the old Testament because it is a little bit more um, like imaginative. It helps our, I find it helps our imaginations uh, grasp some of these concepts a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, then like you were saying earlier, like Jesus is usually saying, well, do this, don't do this, uh, which is good. And I'm glad he's clear. <laughs> uh, 
but that's not how we grasp concepts typically. Right, right, um, right. So I'll usually use something like the Old Testament reading to like build this, build this idea, this concept that I want to get across. And then usually mm. it's hit home with something from the gospel. Okay. Because gotcha. I think that's how Jesus preaches himself. Like he often will say, you've heard it said, you know, in the prophets, uh, here are the commandments, follow that. Mm-hmm. But I say mm-hmm. to you, do that, but take it a step further. So I think mm-hmm. there's, I think there's precedent to do something like that. Sure. 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 Yeah. And luckily for us today, like the first reading and the gospel go clearly together with what we saw last week and this week together is that like the, the, the point of Christianity is to build the family of God on, on firm foundation, which is on the Lord himself and not just on any, like I mentioned this in my homily last week was, you know, what does it mean to be united and to work for unity? It's not to just build it on ideology, but to build it on, on love, which is what St. Paul said in the reading from Romans right. last week. Um, and so this week, like forgiveness, building, you know, community around forgiveness, like that's what the church is. Like the church mm-hmm. is this organization that's built around forgiveness. And yeah, yeah. You know, well, so, yeah, and I, I mean, think the beauty of, I think the beauty of these, of these readings, and again, looking at them in light of last week is that, Okay, we start with this language of love, kind of like what I was just saying, building this concept, like what are we supposed to be doing? Mm-hmm. And this week, I think it's not so much that it's just a continuation, but now we're seeing whose love is the model here, because mm-hmm. it's not me, because I'm like these people in, in the first reading from Sirach. But to take your, your, uh, your want from the Alleluia verse, love one another as I do. We love as we share in that love of God. Yes. Yes. Um, and okay, that's, so, where, that's where that changes. That's where that change happens. Like we can start with our own, right? Our, that's how we learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it has to, it has to grow into something more. Totally. Okay. So I had something in my back pocket that I think I can bring out now. Um, <laughs> I, so this, this gospel was in a daily mass about three weeks ago. Um, yeah. And, and I got to preach on it, which was great. It was actually right before my ordination to the priesthood. Um, and this was the gospel actually for the last mass that I was preaching as a deacon. Um, so I remember my homily for that very vividly. And the one thing that I preached on there that I, I still remember because it's, it struck home with me when I came up as I was preparing is that this is for me, this gospel is a parable. It's like a parable version of that one petition in the Our Father that is very striking, which is, forgive us our debts as we forgive others. So yeah, how, how we, how we are to be forgiven will become contingent upon how it is that we demonstrate forgiveness to others. So if we mm. forgive badly, well then we're going to be forgiven badly as well. Um, yeah. So that petition, the, our father has this story here that fleshes out what that looks like. Um, and so the King at the end does forgive the man in the same way that man forgave others in this case by torturing him and by, you know, by forcing him to, to suffer. Yeah. And so there's yeah. a, there's a threat here. You know, there's a, there's a possible reading of this that can be a little bit intimidating is that I do have a responsibility as a Christian to forgive my brother in a way that is just and fair and loving and good. And if not, there's a consequence that God will return that to me. And so that, that reading of it is pretty like scary, but I think it's true to the, our father. But then what I, what I did in my homily then, which I propose to you now is something for you to think about is another way to read this, which goes exactly with what you were just saying, is that that petition of the Our Father is true, that I'll be forgiven like I forgive, so be careful. The other way of reading that is, 
I should forgive in the way that I have been forgiven myself. So, Mm -hmm. so like I've been thinking about that a lot with the sacrament of confession as a new priest is like, I can't help, but just burst out with, Oh my God, God forgives you. I absolve you of your sins just because I know that in my (laughs) life, I, I remember all the times I've gone to confession begging God for forgiveness and being given forgiveness, you know? And so like, the way in which I should forgive is the way that I've been forgiven myself. And that is by God's yeah. love. Yeah. Well, and there, again, there's this pesky thing called free will that we, that we, uh, that we have to deal with. Like God absolutely is going to forgive period, but we have mm-hmm. to ask for it. <laughs> we have to be the person that goes begging. Uh, right. You know, sometimes on, on our hands and our knees. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we don't do that, then we're in a sense, uh, we're in a sense keeping God's forgiveness from us, you know, not really because God will forgive uh, to, to, sure, sure, sure. to the sure. one who, who asks it will be given. Right. Um, which is an interesting way. Like I think a lot of people see it in that first way that you were talking about, which turns forgiveness into something that in some ways is held hostage. Like, mm. do I deserve this right now? Like, well, you never deserve it. <laughs> Mm. This isn't a thing that you can ever deserve, Mm. um, but it's still given. Why? Because you ask for it. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, what's, what's great is that then the turn is as you've been forgiven, forgive others, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And and that's what the church is built on is like, this is this, this started, this parable started with having received forgiveness, then not forgiving others. And then in turn, having your own forgiveness revoked from you. Um, and so there's an impetus here. There's a moral injunction here, which is that if you've been forgiven, then honor that and share that with others, like share, share that, which which I got to tell you, man, like that's to me, the beauty of the sacrament of reconciliation as a priest is like, I just cannot help but forgive other people. Like I just, cause I I know how much God has loved me in that, you know? Well, and that's, I mean, I think that's what St. Paul really is all about. And we get that in this, in this very reading from Romans for if we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. Like everything Mm -hmm. that we do, uh, presuming that forgiveness has been given, which it has, (laughs) uh, that's, that's what we have to do. Live Mm -hmm. for the Lord and die for the Lord. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. boom. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Totally, man. Totally. Yeah. Unlike last week, I think we have like content to preach on (laughs) for, (laughs) uh, for, for this. Um, uh, so how would an, you, how would you like, uh, yeah. How would you condense that down into like, so okay. a, a lot of this stuff has been kind of up in the air, like, Oh, here's how we should love. Here's how we should live. I got uh, it. But oh, like totally Luke it. in the, in the Beatitudes, what about you? <laughs> how do mm. you love? How do you forgive? Yeah. Is that okay. a way? To, maybe that's the way, maybe that's the way. Uh, so here's, Here's one thing that I wanted to just throw at you really quick as a, as a possible way to preach this gospel. The very first line has a key insight, which I, I missed. That you have to approach Jesus? Well, who does? Okay, so, Peter. yeah. So Peter approaches Jesus and asks him, how often should I forgive? And what's Jesus' response to this whole parable? What's going to happen at the end of John's gospel? is that Jesus is going to demonstrate this himself for Peter mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. you know, like Do Jesus you know forgives him for his betrayal. Yeah. yeah. 
I don't know. I think mm. there's something really cool mm. about that. That is Peter that's asking and it's Peter who's yeah. going to fall and break down and Jesus is going to demonstrate how many times am I going to forgive you? I'll, t- I'll show you, you yeah. know, it's not yeah. 77 times, but it's three times he does the, uh, do you love me? Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. Ooh, I'm going to be thinking about, about that. And it's, it's striking as well that he's telling, you're right. That he's telling this parable to Peter, you know, right. don't be, don't be that um, servant who was forgiven and then turns around and treats other people like garbage. Dude, that's uh, it. That's it. And here, yes, yes. And here's the other, other line there that would be helpful for me is to remember that just a few weeks ago and just a few chapters ago, uh, Peter is the rock upon which the church is built. Right. And so in right. speaking this to Peter, he's speaking it to the church. And to so, the church. Right. And so mm. you, members of the body of Christ who have been redeemed and forgiven, you know, careful <laughs> this is yeah. this is what's demanded of you, and Peter stands in our place. Yeah, yeah. Oof, I love that. Yeah, so that maybe gets to your question. It's like, how do you make this about the individual person in the pew? It's like, look, Peter stands in our place because he is the rock upon which our church is built. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and he I'm, fell, and he fell, but he didn't stay uh, felled. <laughs> he didn't stay yeah. down. Like he he picked up his cross literally at the end of his life uh, and, and lived for Christ and then died for Christ. Totally. Totally, man. Like that's what we do. I love that. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So okay. I, I still can't, I still can't though get over like uh, this whole idea or metaphor of the master handing him over to the torturers. Mm. Um until he should pay back the whole debt. I don't, I mean, I don't think that Jesus is telling us that God is going to torture us. Uh, I think it's a little bit more nuanced than that. You know, like that, that line from, from uh, Pope Benedict's book on eschatology still strikes me uh, that heaven is so much about freedom Hmm. that the damned will their own damnation. Like Hmm. that's the torture that we will that Mm -hmm. uh, to happen. But that's, that's kind of like, I don't know. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't know how, how to preach that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I'll, I'll just be uh, a little bit contrarian. I mean, why aren't you taking Jesus at his word? So will my heavenly father do to you? Why is that not, why is that not good enough? What do you mean? Jesus says in anger, his master handed him over to the torturers. And so will my heavenly father do to you? Yeah. So, so it, what, what if God, the God? father is going to torture us? Like, is that not a yeah. possible interpretation of this? I don't know. Does God, does God torture? No, he doesn't. He's love. God is love. So. His love. Here we go. <laughs> you know? And so um, how do we reconcile that with this? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Is there a way that you can describe love? Okay. So this is maybe a silly example, but like, like it's torturing when I have to like, disappoint my parents you know <laughs> it's like mm, yeah yeah there's something very torturing about that and it's not that they're torturing me but like it's humiliating to have to come and talk to them and fess up and there's kind of a torture to reconciliation you know yeah that's a good way to put it i think i think you're right i think you're onto something that the feeling of guilt and shame really is in a lot of ways like a torture <laughs> like we're and we even use that language sometimes like i'm torn up inside i'm all yeah. twisted up and i feel chained even mm. Mm. yeah yeah 
Yeah, until you pay back the debt, which means what you said, it's an act of the will, like go to confession. Right, <laughs> right, right. You're going to be tortured. Your conscience, is going to be, your conscience is going to be tortured until you go to yeah. confession. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> All right, man. Good. Any parting thoughts? Uh, no, same as always. Go pray. Till next time then. Alrighty. All right, peace.